Hi everyone, this is Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Everything is Football. Don't go away. Hello everyone, and welcome to another EIF podcast. My name is Tomas Rosan, I'm here with Mark Geschwin, and today we're going to be reviewing the Premier League weekend that was, and as well as a bit of La Liga. And Mark, let's of course start with arguably the biggest game of the weekend, Manu against Arsenal, 1-1 at home. Manu, in my opinion, looked decently good. Mata scoring a beautiful finish, and then Giroud, as he always does, leaping high up in the air and just powering a header in right at the end uh, to tie it up for Arsenal. Uh, Mark, do you think Manu showed signs of improvement here? And if I were an Arsenal fan, should I be worried about this? Because the Gunners haven't really looked very good recently. And this game, in my opinion, I think Manu clearly deserved the three points. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that Manu have struggled a lot this season, but in this particular game, I thought they were pretty assured. This was a pretty um, typical, you know, maybe not so typical in the past couple months, but typical Jose Mourinho performance of a few years ago. Um, very solid, very compact, allowing pretty much zero chances except for the 90th minute equalizer um but i still think man U needs a little bit of a freshening up um i thought you know the fact that they had to take out ibrahimovic because he was suspended gave them a little bit more because martial came in gave him a little bit more pace rashford was through the middle so they were a little bit more dangerous they definitely deserve to win the game but i still think man U has some issues um but definitely moving in the right direction i think and and Mourinho may be starting to figure it out that the Herrera Pogba Carrick midfield is probably the best way to to uh, move forward. So I think that's good news for United fans. As for Arsenal fans, if I were them, I would be very very upset with this performance. Man, you were in such a poor moment. Jose Mourinho was in such a poor moment. Everyone was expecting Arsenal to come out big statement win, beat Man U at Old Trafford. It's not what it once was, but it would be a huge statement of intent. We're here to win the title this year, and they arguably put on their worst performance of the season. Dreadful from the get-go, and lucky to come away with a point. And again, as is typical with Arsenal, they seem to never step up when they need to do so to prove that they can win the title. And I think, yet again, it'll be much of the same from Arsenal, and this game proved that. So, end of the day, if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm disappointed. If I'm a Man U fan, I'm disappointed because I didn't get the three points, but at least things are moving in the right direction. Well, and at the end of the day, Arsenal are now where they belong, right at fourth place. So, you know, all all is well that ends well. But, moving on uh, to the rest of the games on Saturday, Mark. Sunderland picking up their second one of the season. Thrashing whole city 3-0. Watford beating the champions Leicester 2-1. Crystal Palace losing out to Man City as well at home 2-1. Everton 1-1 against Swansea with a very late goal to tie that one up. Uh, so Bob Bradley still looking for his first win. Stoke City lost at home to an informed Bournemouth 1-0. And Liverpool Southampton tied at 0-0. Really a game where I thought Liverpool could have had three or four. Firmino himself missed a couple sitters with one of them was just one of the worst misses I've seen this season 
by a mile when he was played through a one-on-one and just kind of toe-poked it straight out. And then, of course, Spurs coming back in the 89th and 90th minute to beat West Ham 3-2. Absolutely massive win for Spurs. Mark, out of those results, what stands out to you? Is it is it Liverpool failing to win at Southampton when Chelsea went there two, three weeks ago and won fairly convincingly? Is it City struggling despite winning? Or is it Spurs maybe showing that they can grind out results when they need to? I, I think it was a, it was an interesting weekend for sure. And I think it um, it points to the fact that Man City may just have a an interesting wild card in their mix and that is Yaya Toure. <laughs> the fact that the fact that this man wasn't playing because of the stuff that his agent was saying, Pep wasn't standing for it at all. He finally comes out and apologizes or Yaya apologizes and he accepts that no one was expecting him to play. No one was expecting him to play. Pep throws him into the team, nets twice en route to a huge away win. And just just a real something that no one's really expecting coming into this coming into this season. And this is gonna a unique turn and maybe the return of Yaya Toure is on his day, one of the best midfielders in the world. Maybe that just you know maybe that just leans the the title race in Man City's direction. Obviously Chelsea, we'll get to them are at this point probably the favorite, but I think maybe maybe the reintroduction of Yaya Toure could be something. So that's something that really who does, who me. does Yaya you that, bench for you? I, I mean I don't I don't I don't think he's gonna bench anyone. I don't think that at full strength he gets in ahead of Gundogan, he gets in ahead of KDB, he gets in ahead of David Silva or Fernandinho. But as you know, and as Pep is gonna find out, the Prem is a grind. Especially in the winter months coming up, you play, you know, three games in seven days. You have the Boxing Day period, New Year's Day period. They're going to be in the FA Cup. They're going to be in the Champions League. You need depth. And to bring a guy like Yaya Toure off the bench and in rotational games is huge. Look at You just look at the drop-off in quality of some of the other title contenders. You look at Arsenal this past weekend, Mohamed Elneny and... Francis Coughlin coming in for Santi Casorla and you know you know whoever else he's coming in for doesn't really bring you a lot of confidence. You know, some of these other teams, exactly. And then you look at you know teams like Liverpool, even they struggle a bit. You know that Lucas Leva, if they need a holding mid, is probably the one coming in there. Even Chelsea to an extent. You know you might say Fabregas is a quality player, but he doesn't really fit their system. You know if one of Matic or Conte goes down, who fills that role? So it's you need depth, and I think that's huge for Man City, the fact that Yaya is there. So he, while on his – while when Man City are at full strength, I don't think he gets into the team. I think he could be a crucial rotational piece, and that's something that definitely interests me, interested me this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the thing of City, Mark, is I've been telling you all along, they're just not – they're not solid. To, to me, I mean, it's no surprise to anyone. Their defense is not top-notch. But yeah, what I think we talked about this two weeks ago, or you know, Pep says, "Oh, we only we only gave up two chances." But if you're giving up two chances every game, and and every game when you give up two chances, you concede one goal. I don't care if I give up only two chances. I can't be conceding, you know, fifty percent of the time someone has a chance. So uh, for me, City, 
I don't know what's happening right now. They they they're go- they're still there, but they're not looking like you know what we saw early on in the season. I don't know if teams have figured them out. I don't know if if it's a case of simply their defenders are, are really just not that good, and there's not much Pep can do about it. But that's that's a huge that's, blow that's that's the company once again gets injured. That's that's my that's my viewing of this. I just think at the end of the day, Man City is getting found out because their individual quality on the back line is poor. I think Otamendi and Stones are good. They're very solid. I think that's a good building block. But in the modern mm. modern game, outside backs are just so, 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 so crucial. So, so, so crucial. We literally saw Chelsea capitulate last season almost entirely because Bronislav Ivanovic is a cone. And that's what, <laughs> and that's what we're seeing. And that's... And, and that's what we're seeing with this Man City team. Pablo Zabaleta, Clichy, Sanya, Kolarov, who's never playing on these outside backs, is just getting torched. I mean, the defending by Zabaleta on that goal by Connor Wickham. Connor Wickham is slow. He's a target man. He was made to look like, <laughs> like, 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 like Neymar, the way he just b- burst by <laughs> Zabaleta. Zabaleta looked like he had the pace of you out there. I mean, my God. I mean, at the end of the day, again, it's 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 not really a an issue with what Pep's doing, the style that they're playing. I just think that their individual defenders aren't that good, and that is costing them when these teams get two, three chances a game because they can't deal with it. And as good as Stones and Otamendi are, as we both very well know, they are both incredibly error-prone. Stones, we all know. Otamendi's very rash. He gets caught out of position pretty often. That's what Pep sort of wants in the high pressure. But when they get found out and when they have to defend, their their individual errors are leading to goals. And as we've seen with Claudio Bravo so far, who has done okay, I think he's done better than people are giving him credit for. And you know, I think he, he should have saved he, that, that. He shot, isn't. He isn't. He isn't. He 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 isn't a world class goalkeeper. He's not a world class shot stopper. That's not why he's in the team. He's there to keep possession and help them out. So when he's getting those two or three shots on goal game, he isn't exactly, you can't exactly rely on him to save all of them. And I think that's what's costing them right now. The individual errors of Claudio Bravo, Zabaleta, Otamendi, Stones, and whoever's on the back line. And I think that once they clean that up, maybe they won't because, you know, unless they sign someone in January to fill those spots, then I think Man City are not going to win the league because those defenders just aren't good enough to get it done. Yeah, and as for the rest of the Saturday's action, I thought Liverpool, despite tying at Southampton, I think two big takeaways from this. Uh, first of all, it was nil-nil, but Liverpool looked incredible. I thought Liverpool easily should have won that game. Like he's, like I said, Firmino has been on fire recently and missed two sitters that, you know, I, I would have probably scored. Jose Flores would have probably scored. It was that, that topo, he can't get over that, the header that he missed. But I think I think the bigger takeaway from this game is the fact that Chelsea went there three weeks ago, and didn't play their best football. You know, out of the, this run of six games that Chelsea have won, arguably the worst performance other than the one, you know, against Middlesbrough this week. But they grinded out and won 2-0. So I think for me, Liverpool need to be winning these games uh, despite it being so early on in the season. And as for Spurs, yeah, they won 3-2. Great character to, you know, score two goals at the brink. But Spurs, in my opinion, look very, very bad now, and and I think they're in for a rude awakening against Chelsea. The way the way both teams are playing at the moment next week, uh, mm-hmm. especially playing away at the Bridge, 
but let's let's move on to to Sunday's action where we saw, of course, one game only, and it was my boys winning one nil against Middlesbrough. Diego Costa scoring an absolute just poacher's goal when everyone lost the ball, and, and of course Costa keeping track of it, finishing it, and really Chelsea should have scored three or four in that game. I thought I thought uh, Valdez was absolutely terrific, and that, that save against Pedro easily save of the year in my opinion. One of the best saves I've seen. That was absolutely incredible. Should Pedro have scored? Yeah, but at the end of the day. Uh, good save by Valdez and Chelsea. Just keep on marching on. Uh, six straight clean sheets now. We're top of the league. Mark, can anyone stop Chelsea right now? I, I I'm I'm curious to see the Spurs game next week. We all saw how the last time a team was on this type of form, it was Manchester City early on in the season. Ten straight wins or eleven straight wins or whatever they had to start the season, and then Spurs really knocked them down a peg. So we'll see. If Spurs can do similar to Chelsea, I would. I, I think Chelsea are in a better spot than Man City just because they have that consistency and they know what they're going to get from each of their players week in week out. They know as and I think they just set a set a record for most consecutive lineups played played in a row or something like that. And that 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 consistency is helping them a lot. All the players know their role, and I think at this point. Chelsea are going to continue to cruise as long as they have this current 11 playing. The minute that any yeah. one of them goes down, and I, and I really stress this, I think any one of them, I think maybe they could get away with a, a center back. Maybe they could get away with Pedro going out. But I really think the rest of them are so key to the type of football that they're trying to play. I mean, you look at Victor Moses. Marcus Alonso, do that job that they've been doing on the outside backs. Conte, Matic, who can do that box-to-box shuttling midfield action that they require? And, of course, if Hazard gets hurt or Diego Costa gets hurt or suspended or whatever it may be, I think that's when Chelsea will slip up. But if they don't, Chelsea have looked by far and away the most assured, confident team. And it's, it's incredible how much a, just a sim, it's not i'm not going to say a simple shift but just one tactical switch to go from the 442 to the 343 has just completely changed this team because i remember we had this discussion 2 months ago before the switch to the 343 following the international break when chelsea were people were were questioning them and they were saying you know what maybe this wasn't mourinho's fault maybe mourinho was just he just had bad players maybe you know it wasn't on him the he was playing how they should play because Conte really struggled at the beginning with his four four two, and and I just think it's it's crazy how much a, a simple change with three four three has gotten the best out of all of his players, and that really is credit to Conte for sticking to his guns, deciding that the three four three could work in the Premier League, which is a formation you don't see very often in the Prem. So I think it's credit to Conte, credit to Chelsea, and I think at this point you should be delighted because I don't see anyone stopping them as long as this current eleven remains on the field. Yeah, just really briefly to close out on Chelsea. Like you said, if Costa goes down, I am very worried. Uh, and the fact that he's been one yellow away from suspension, I think for like five straight games and, and, and hasn't got a yellow card is very impressive. And uh, uh, I hope that next week he's able to to continue this this peaceful persona he's, he's all of a sudden found because because we play City right after that away. So 
So that uh, another one for me is Victor Moses, who's been just absolutely incredible at, at wing back. He's going to be gone for the African Cup of Nations for you know at least a month in January. So that for me is very worrying. Can William slot in at right wing back and do a job? Perhaps, but if he can't, that that's a big part of the system that's that's going to be missing for you know for a month, arguably a month and a half. So. Uh, still a little bit away, uh, a while away from that. And then, obviously, the last result of the weekend um, from the Pram was West Brom beating Burnley 4-0. Burnley, who'd been decent so far, but impressive win for West Brom. But let's move on to La Liga uh, briefly, Mark. Barcelona struggling again. Tiny 0-0 at Malaga. And Madrid, of course, thrashing, thrashing Atletico Madrid. 3-0 away. At the Calderon, Ronaldo, of course, CR7 with the hat trick. I thought it was his best performance of the year easily. I know you weren't very impressed with Ronaldo. But before we get to Madrid, Mark, what do you make of Barca yet again uh, dropping Uh, points? Yeah, I think it's just, again, classic case of Barcelona coming out after the international break. I would love to do a study and go back over the past two, three years of the top teams in European football after international breaks. And I am convinced that Barcelona would be dead last. You look at all of their results where they <laughs> lost games. Same thing. They after the international break, they lost at home to Alaves. Um, you go back as far as last, last season, they completely capitulated after the after the uh, international break. And I just think it's it, it it happens because they have so many South American players, and that travel really affects the star men and base. What really hurt them was obviously not having Messi and Suarez. Messi and Suarez are out. Can you read that much into this game without those two guys? I say no, especially because Barcelona, they still should have won the game. I mean, Carlos Kameni was was looking like Manuel Neuer on steroids. I mean, not, it was, some of those saves were literally cool, so. so I would be, if, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a Barca fan, I'm not thrilled because I do not think they were as good as they can be, and I and I think they haven't been as good as they should be this season. Um, so I think there are some concerns, but in this particular game, I think they should sort of just move on. It happens. Kameni was in unbelievable form, but as I said, the two things that another thing I would take a take away from this game from Barca fans: the first is form, because they have not been overly impressive over the past month. And the second thing is just the absolute it, – it, it makes me so angry as a person who loves to see youth players developed is just the ridiculous decision for the Barca board to sign Paco Alcacer as a backup forward for 30 million euros and let Munir leave to go the other way. Absolutely ridiculous. Munir knows the system. He's been playing with this exact style of football ever since he was a kid. Paco Alcacer is coming in, has never played like this before, is expected to come in and fill Suarez's shoes. Expectation on him is a 30 million euro signing. And he's been dreadful. Simple. Nothing else to say. He's been absolutely dreadful. And I'm sure the board are just kicking themselves for letting Munir go. But... Well, you know. well Alcacer, Alcacer in this game went, I think, what was it, 35 minutes in the first half without a touch of the ball. Yeah. Like, I think it was like yeah. 30, 35 minutes. That, that is absurd. That is it's a, horrible. It's, it's, 
people people have to realize how difficult it is to be a center striker in this Barcelona system because it really relies on you know the interplay of the midfield. You have to make a lot of runs off the ball. Um, you aren't going to get that many touches on the ball, but you have to keep yourself engaged at all times. Neymar and you know Messi wasn't playing in this game, but when Messi's playing, are always looking for you to make little runs in behind. And if you watch Suarez play, he's just constantly, constantly moving, constantly on the last shoulder. And his connection with Neymar and Messi is just perfect. And he, that's why he always gets so many, that's why he gets so many goals. That's why he gets so many chances. But Al- Alcacer just does not look on the same wavelength. And it's definitely worrying, for sure worrying if I'm a Barca fan, that if one of those three goes down, that Alcacer is the, is the guy to step in. And I think that's the issue. But moving on to the Madrid game, I think this is going to be a from the game. It's not about Ronaldo, so don't worry. Don't worry. It's, <laughs> it's the fact that I think Real Madrid are so, so, so much better when they have injuries. And specifically when they have injuries to the front three, to one of the front three, I think they are just so much better. Because hmm. Bale, Benzema, and Cristiano, and even to an extent, Bale, Morata, and Cristiano, just simply does not work as well as when it's Bale, Cristiano, Lucas Vazquez, Bale, Cristiano, Marco Asensio. Because Cristiano, Benzema, and Bale, as well as Morata, all do very similar things. They like to make little runs in behind. They like to stay central. They like to get themselves in the box. They like to score headers. They like to be poachers. None of those three, or four, enjoy getting the ball deep, except for maybe Bale occasionally, as we, he, we see it more with Wales than with Real Madrid. That no, none of them like to pick up the ball deep and create chances. Very rarely do you see Ronaldo get the ball wide, beat his man, get a cross in, or take the ball, slip a guy in on goal. It's very rare. But when you stick a guy like this into that team, then the, the balance of the team is just so much better because you have a guy who is not focused on goal scoring whatsoever. He could care less. All he's in the team to do is create chances for the other two. And when you, when you have that in your team, it's, and then you, you have guys like Cristiano, Benzema, Morata, and Bale who are some of the best finishers in the world, and in Ronaldo's case, probably the best finisher in the world, then your team is just going to work so much better. And it's the same thing because it's a, it's, a, it's a silver lining with Madrid because, again, injuries gave Isco the chance to start as a center mid, and he was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is exactly the type of player he can be. I've always said he's like the next Iniesta, and he very rarely gets a chance to show what he can do as a number 10 in this team, and that's what he was able to do thanks to injuries again. So I think Real Madrid are very, very interesting because if you ever think back to their worst performances, it's always when they're at full strength. It's always when they have Bale, Benzema, and Cristiano playing in the same team, and it's 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 a real dilemma for for Zidane because they when they when they can get these guys like Lucas Vazquez, like these unheralded players like Lucas Vazquez and Isco and Marco Asensio into the team. So it'll be interesting to see. You you got to hope at this point. You're if you're Zidane, you're 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 crossing your fingers that Benzema stays as injury prone as he has, and you know these types of guys keep getting injured because it, it's it, in my opinion it's helping them out. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'll agree. I'll partly agree with your statement about the, that injuries make them better because I do think Casemiro is a huge miss for them. And I think, yeah, besides as well for Brazil, very, I think, very true, very true. Yeah, no, Casemiro, Casemiro completely turned their season around last year. I think even Brazil, yeah. with how good they've been, Casemiro really could also seriously improve that midfield. But no, I, I agree with you going forward. Uh, I think the solution is you're not, you're never going to bench Ronaldo. You're not going to bench Bale. If you're going to bench someone, it's going to have to be Morata or Benzema. But at the end of the day, when you have Benzema and Morata, you can't be benching. You, know, you can't have two players of that quality on the bench. So it is a it, it is quite the dilemma for for Zidane right now to, you know, to to face this going forward. What is he going to do? He's probably going to stick with one of them up front. So, yeah, like you said, maybe Madrid will be hoping for an injury or or, or something of the sort, but. I think at the end of the day, uh, just looking at it right now, Madrid are looking very good in the league. There's no reason they can't do it again in the Champions League. And despite this season, I don't think they've looked great for for many, you know, many games. They're still first place now. Atletico Madrid, for instance, now nine points back already. So you've got to say... Very unlikely that Atletico can get back in this. Especially in La Liga. That's nine points is a lot in La Liga. A huge amount. I mean, let's be honest. Barca almost blew that uh, last year, mm. but but it is it mm. is a big, especially so early on uh, to already be nine points. But I think uh, I think you've got to say Madrid deserve credit for a three 0 win at the Calderon is is impressive regardless. And as much as you mm. hate CR seven, yes, one was deflected, uh, one was a penalty. But hey, the penalty they, was committed on him. Fought the last goal. He showed you know some good pace, even though Bale did most of the work. <laughs> I thought he was very involved overall, and I think, I think if Madrid can get this Ronaldo every game, they're unstoppable. Can they get this Ronaldo every game? Probably not. It's the, fir- so, it's, 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 the, it's the first time. It's the first time I've seen it all season. So, you know, and I won't and I won't dive into a into a CR seven rant about <laughs> how I didn't think this this performance was as good as people are making it out. He was definitely, but um, I agree that if they can get this type of Ronaldo. Um, week in, week out, then they're an entirely different team because at this point we haven't seen this Ronaldo yet. He's been fairly, he's been, even you can admit, he's been pretty, pretty poor to start this season. And I, I think it's a, a welcome return. It's, it's classic that he turns up the week that the Ballon d'Or voting is happening as he, <laughs> as he loves to do, as, as he loves, as he loves to do. Um, but I agree that I think Real Madrid are in a good position right now. And I think the, the the if I'm a Real Madrid fan, the one thing that's really keeping me going, and above all else, will always give me confidence in this team, is that their defense is just so good, so good. Marcelo, Varane, Pepe, Ramos, Carvajal. I mean, it's and Kaylor Navas behind them. I mean, it's truly superb. And I said, I said it um, over Twitter. I, I I steadfastly believe that Marcelo, left back, center back, right back, whatever it might be, the best defender in the world. And when you have that guy on your team, he from left the things that he's able to do with the ball and create chances for his team is unbelievable. And at the back, he's an incredible defender too. Some of the clearances he had, some of the composure in the back, I mean, he's just something else. And I cannot, you know, this is a little side rant, but I cannot believe that back in the day Brazil wouldn't call him up just as just as just as <laughs> soon just as recently as last year. Unbelievable. But again, Real Madrid in a good spot. Still not overly convinced by them, but as you said, 3-0 at the Calderon, rare. So hats off to them. 
Yeah, and uh, just before we close out, uh, on your point about Marcelo, even Roberto Carlos himself uh, came out this week and said that, you know, Marcelo can do things that even he in his prime couldn't do uh, in his all-around game. So so very impressive hearing that from Roberto Carlos. That's great praise if, if you're Marcelo. And, and lastly, I'll just leave you with a stat, Mark. Right now at the top of La Liga, okay, we have Messi with eight goals and three assists. We have Suarez with eight goals and three assists, and we have Ronaldo with eight goals and three assists. So huh. this this Pichichi race is is heating up to be quite huh. an exciting one. And, and Ronaldo, despite, like you said, not being in his best this season, in fact, being very underwhelming this season, still has eight goals. So you've got you've to say that he, he just keeps on going somehow. But uh, that'll be it for, for today, Mark. Um, we'll be back right before the weekend to preview this week's action be some exciting games. And let's not forget away, we're less than two weeks away from not only Chelsea Man City, but <laughs> also El Clasico. So some exciting times in, in the footy world. Um, but that will be all for today. Everyone, please make sure to like us on Facebook at Everything is Football. Uh, like us on Instagram, EIF Soccer, Twitter, EIF Soccer, as well as our SoundCloud at EIF Soccer. Thank you very much for listening and have a good day. And your shoes ain't off the shelves. You straight out of magazine. Feel things I ain't ever felt.